0: Hello and welcome to another episode of Badminton Science. I'm still your host, even though I had a break and I'm Robert Johnson and let's let's get into the topic of today. So first and foremost, this is the first this is the official first episode of season two of Badminton Science. I had a break for I don't I actually don't know for how long, but like four or five weeks maybe. Because I was writing my essay for my sports science bachelor degree, which is finished and it's graded and it's, it's complete. And it went well. Let me just say that. And I, I, I didn't have... It wasn't a priority to, to keep this podcast going, even though I had an ambition of, of doing it, because I, I also, besides studying at... Okay, so the essay writing part was 50%. So, um, which means that I should, on average, spend four hours a day on uh, on the essay. <clears throat> and besides that, I, I'm also studying uh, business. I actually don't know what it's called in English, but it's, it's business, and I'm going uh, to choose to focus on marketing for my second bachelor. So I've been studying those two parallel. So I was at 150%, and then I also as you know, I'm a personal trainer, so I, I was working as well and yeah, it was just a bit too much to to produce the podcast as well as do all those things and as I've always said, like I'm not interested in in just putting out a podcast that's not good it's it's about quality, not quantity, even though i I would have wanted to to keep the podcast going. but anyways, now we're here and um, uh, I'm, I'm just gonna like talk about shortly about my uh, my essay uh, or my thesis. Maybe is the correct word in English, but I'm gonna talk shortly about that. Then I'm also gonna introduce that the coming weeks they will there will be a short series of uh, summer training, like preseason training for badminton players, and then there will also be. Because I, I got a message from, okay, so I've gotten a few messages on uh, social media, at Badminton Science, on Instagram, about uh, translating some episodes and also talk about some certain topics. And one of the suggestions or, uh, yeah, let's just call it a suggestion, was to translate an episode about uh, how to train for women singles. And that will of course be uh, um, something I'm gonna do. I'm gonna actually do new episodes of how to train for a specific category in both uh, English and Swedish because I've done it in Swedish previously. But I'm gonna like upgrade or update them um, since I know a bit more now. I think I recorded the first episodes for uh, about a year ago, so I thought I thought it might be time to actually. Just making new episodes about how to train for men's singles, women's singles, men's doubles, and yeah, you know the categories. So that will be something I'm going to work on. Then we have, of course, the pre-season training, and um, that's something that's really, really important because now we're in the middle of June. So if you haven't started, you should probably start doing the off-season training. But let's talk about the essay or the thesis first. So my goal was to, or my aim rather, was to to find some working areas for Swedish badminton to win, or at least yeah, to win medals at international championships. And of course, it's it's a very difficult, and it's not like you can. There's not just one answer that's right and it's it's dependent on so many factors but i got some really good interviews with some really competent people and um, it's uh, yeah i'm i'm very happy with my my um, with my essay or thesis but i'm 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 not i'm going to talk about that more in depth in in some further in some episodes further along the line but uh, a, a article I uh, used a lot in, in my thesis was uh, one by Julian North, uh, which was about player development in, in badminton. So they, they took four successful countries or nations and interviewed some key people in the organizations. And the countries were South Korea, Spain, Denmark, and Japan. And I'm I'm just gonna like go through the, some really interesting things because it it, it will be tied in uh, to the summer training as well. So when you look at at South Korea, for instance, when it comes to their performance medal, medal model, it's uh, They have an emphasis. I'm quoting actually right now, on physical characteristics, discipline, determination, and fighting spirit. So what that means is that they uh, and the Union North, who does it in collaboration with Leeds University and uh, BWF, they actually write more about that. But like as we know, the Korean players are super strong physically. They are. (laughs) <laughs> they are beasts when it comes to the to the physical aspects of the game and uh, that is really well reflected when we when they write about their performance model but if you compare it to say Denmark they focus their game in Denmark on tactical variation improvisation deception and beautiful shot making they go on about also that the players are encouraged to develop great technique and tactical understanding to make own decisions on court and take responsibility for development. And that's really interesting because the physical aspect, of course, is important because you can't be a top-level badminton player without a great Like being really athletic, of course, but how they like this is basically the philosophies on how you score points or how you are supposed to train in order to become the best and then like to differentiate yourself from other nations or other players. So, for instance, like the the Korean players or the Korean system is more aligned or are more focused on being that much much more physical than other players. That the other players simply can't play at the same tempos, the same hard hitting smashes or whatever. So their physical ability will reflect their, in some sense, will reflect their performances. Of course, they are really good technical as well. If at least if you look at the, like the the categories that are that there are most prolific in as of right now, which is, of course, women singles, which is, they are, like, Anne C. Jung is so good right now, and she, um, she's really, really strong physical and mentally, and plays really disciplined, and, yeah, she has the, she's, I think she's a, a combination of, of the physical that we just talked about, and the tactical and and the technical aspects as well so she is very well balanced and i think that's why she is uh, as good as she is because if she w- if she was only just physical then she wouldn't have the same success it doesn't work like that so because of her ability to to combine all those elements that's why she's the best right now but if you look at the men's doubles players they are so physically strong like they are yeah, they don't. They just don't get tired. Now, what happened? They are not as dominant in the men's doubles too as they were like ten years ago, or maybe even longer. But uh, you know, when Lee Yong Day, uh, Young Jae Sung, uh, Yu Yong Sung, and the other Korean players were dominating the circuits, or at least were competing at the like they were at the finals against, um, yeah, some Chinese combination of Fu Hai Feng and Kai Yun, or uh, Shang-Nan. But anyways, so, so Korea has dropped down a bit in the in, in the rankings and in the uh, consistency of, of winning matches uh, compared to previously, but they are still really physically strong and maybe the game as it is right now isn't really suiting them because of the slow shuttles, shuttles, that's bad English. Uh, yeah, so because of the shuttles that are so slow in the tournament, the physical players like because of their they like to hit hard and, and they like the fast, flat game, I think they might have some troubles because of that. However, they are starting to find new groove again and like really moving up. The supposed even in mixed doubles they are great, of course, women's doubles, but, but um uh, yeah, yeah i i think uh, korea is is on the rise and i think they have found more of a, a sweet spot with the physical focus and also the other things so um so yeah but if you compare it to denmark for instance then it's it's quite obvious that you can see that um like if you look at andersen axelsen gempke like they are they have those typical then Danish character characteristic characteristics, which is uh, of course uh, good technique, good tactical awareness like Anderson is very good tactically tactically jesus i' I'm, I'm, i can't I can't speak today. Um, we're back to normal, I guess because I, I always complain about some certain words that just come out wrong, but uh, they. They are good tactically, they are really good technically, they are yeah they, they they're just so good at everything is said. So so and of course take responsibility for development. That might be one of the reasons why it's working for for at least Axelsen and Antisen in being independent players instead of being a part of this, the Danish system because they are used to taking responsibility for their own development. Because if you look at some other players who've gone independent, they haven't had success. and um, of course it's like you can't just base it up of two players, of course, and when they went independent, they were already very good. So you can't really t- make that conclusion, but it might be one of the factors to why they are still very good, even though they've gone independent in, like because if you compare it to like Li Si Ja, he has had a much more difficult time in being consistent and uh, winning since he got independent. But yeah, I, I guess that's that's also the, the life of an athlete. So that was um, that was uh, some short like introduction to that. But I also want to say that something else that is really really interesting in my opinion is how the training infrastructure is in the different countries so for instance in indonesia they have one national center and like the the best countries and like basically every country who is in some sense like they they have players in the top 100 or top 200 they have Some sort of center centralized training system, and uh, what's interesting about what they found from these four countries were that they are kind of different, besides that, there are some centers. So, in Indonesia, they have one national center, but they have maybe over 500,000 clubs, and like that's a half a million clubs that's insane. So of course they can like really find talent. They like every of course every club is not a big club, it's not the best club, but the fact that they have so many clubs speaks volume to how how many players they have and how big badminton is in Indonesia and also that there are just so many coaches and and, um, and yeah. So so that's interesting when you look at South Korea for instance they have good facilities in schools and universities but they have three national facilities for centralized programs and that basically means they have three different centers centers for the top level players in the country and for instance in india they have two as i'm i'm, I'm not Maybe it's just men's singles centers even now that I'm saying it out loud. No, no, I think there no, there are two two, two big centres in India. India were not included in this uh, this article from Julian North and BWF, but if you look at Den- Denmark, they have good facilities in the in the clubs. And they have two power centres as they are called, and that's like the the biggest centres. and... One of course is Burnby, which is where Axelsen, Antonsen, Villingius, Gemke, Blickfeldt, Astrup, Bresmussen, like where those players train, and uh, they are really keen on on having um uh, like focusing on the clubs. They're having good infrastructure of, of of the clubs, which then can like really speed up the development of of the athletes and. What's good about Denmark is that they have so many former players that are still active and it's a small country which makes it easier for for people to, to kind of, like you don't have to move to change clubs um, which yeah, in some cases of course you have to but um, it's easier uh, in Denmark and that, that might be one of the reasons they are so good and in Spain they have eight regional centers including a national center in Madrid and that's maybe too many centers I don't know um, it depends on like now they haven't specified how, how, what kind of centers it is but I think uh, like the the key point here is that at least there is at least one national center and um, that's, um, that's basically what you need to do, and sports science is included in, in, um, in every country here. And that might be like in Indonesia, it's emerging, which means that it's not kind of finished yet. Maybe it is now. This uh, was done in 2016, so yeah, it's probably done. Jesus, that's seven years ago. I'm getting old. But uh, sports science is, is more of, and more and more a part of of um, of the of the sport. Yeah. So that's uh, yes yeah, some small part of about that. And now, for because the the next episode, as I said previously, are going to be about how to train in pre-season or like the summer training where you don't have a lot of. Um, tournaments or a lot of practices with your club because it's usually closed during the summer or at least it's um, it's less frequency in the training. So what should you do? And I'm not going to go into depth about that today. I'm just going to give you some tips for uh, what to do until the next episode where I, where I will talk about it. And that is to, to kind of think about, okay, so what do you need to work on the most during the summer? What In order to be a better badminton player, What do you need to work on during the summer in order to be better at uh, the upcoming season? And I would recommend, like, even if you are... Like, some things are always good to improve as a badminton player. For instance, your uh, jumping ability. Uh, That means, like, plyometrics, which is... um, Yeah, your ability to jump is very important for every badminton player and of course being able to get your heart rate down fast after some like long and intense points because if you're able to get your heart rate down fast you're more recovered for the next upcoming points and that is always good. good so so those are things that you always need to improve on however for, however, for, for some people it might be more important to work on On um, your max strength or flexibility, or it 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 differs of course, but there are certain things that badminton players always uh, need and can always improve upon. And I think there is jumping ability and your ability to recover from, like it could be sprints, it could be like fifteen seconds intervals or something. But just getting your heart rate down fast is one of those things. But you should you could also like just Don't be scared to take a week off uh, or just like reduce your volume a lot, that's called a deload and I strongly suggest it if you haven't, like if you didn't take it before the season, sorry, so the season should have ended like two weeks ago. If you haven't taken two weeks off or like at least one week off, then maybe you should think about just taking some, some rest days now in order to be ready. But let's say that you are, you have to travel with your family or you have to do certain things during the summer. Then what can you do that's, that's uh, time efficient and that's, that will improve your badminton skills or badminton knowledge during the, the travel time. So during the travel, itself, it's like going by car, train, flying, whatever. You could use the time to, to like think and reflect internally about, okay, so what do I need? What are my goals? How can I get there? Like, do I need to hire a coach personally or privately? Do I need a strength and conditioning coach? Do I need a mental coach? Do I need a nutritionist? What do I need? And then like, get a plan for it. Because if you say that, oh yeah, I need a personal trainer, but I I don't have money. Okay, how can I get money? Uh, Get a part-time job or something. Find solutions, find, uh, be very clear about what the problem is, what you need. And then find a solution. There are so many different solutions to basically every problem that's sport-related. So, so just um, um, yeah, just just think about it and reflect. You can also use the time to to do some um, some. Uh, to review some videotapes, like, okay, that now I sound really old, but <laughs> to watch, look at Benhamton and, like, try to analyze what's happening. Why are, like, for instance, why did Anderson lose to Ginting? Was it speed? Was it tactical? Was it uh, because his drop shot from, like, forehand was shit? Or what's the reason why he lost? And don't, but I would also recommend, like, don't listen to the commentators because they have like you're, you're supposed to f- think for yourself because if you are dependent on the commentators and like you're yeah yeah I agree with Modern Frost of course I agree with Modern Frost he's an expert you need to think for yourself what is wrong so I would suggest like watch it without commentators or watch some uh, like some less some not as good players as the top players in the world because they they have skills that we don't but yeah, you can take the time during the travels to, to really think about these, these things and do some video analysis. Now, when you get to, let's say you go to your grandma and it's like a long way from home so you don't have access to the gym, which means that you can't really work on your strength, or something. You could, like just stay active, go for some jogs, do some core, some push-ups, whatever. That's possible you could um you could also work on your strength this might be just actually running uh for as a jesus that swedish word snuck into my to my vocabulary there you could you could go for some longer runs you could um, swim a lot you could um, yeah you can work in plyometrics like jumping and Or doing some really hard intervals whatever it might be just stay active have a plan stay active don't overdo it enjoy your vacation but yeah you get my point Um, yes okay so in the next episode I will talk a lot more about what to do and what not to do and give some more specific examples and, and things like that I will also record some episodes about how to train for the different categories because it it's um, it goes quite hand in hand I, I would say the preseason training with how uh, what are the demands for like women singles and how could you like structure your pre-season training to to facilitate that or how to improve upon the general characteristics of women singles now this uh, was a bit longer than I expected, but um, yeah, thank you for listening again. It's so nice to be back and keep listening. Follow me on Instagram at badminton science, and um, yeah, let's uh, let's talk next week about preseason training for badminton players. Thank you so much for listening. Have a great week. Bye.